It feels like Mother's Day has come around really, really quickly this year. Um, last minute, you know, it seems like only yesterday that it was February, and here we are in May celebrating mums of all sorts um, and honouring those that are both here and those that can't be in the room for whatever reason. And having just heard from Brittany and her story too, I'm just so mindful that, that Mother's Day is not easy for everybody. And so for those of you that actually do find today difficult, you have my love and my compassion, and if you'd like a hug later, I'm good at giving those. Um, we all have different experience of, experiences of having or not having a mum, being or not being a mum, and all the different emotions and um, things that go along with that. So know that God's grace and peace is here for you particularly. Yeah. Now, our theme for Mother's Day, as you've probably picked up, is this idea of the ministry of motherhood. Now, often we think of motherhood as being a role, a responsibility, or maybe even an unpaid job with like the biggest job description in the world. Um, but today I kind of want to talk about what it means to treat motherhood as a ministry. In the letter to the Ephesians, the Apostle Paul describes the kind of leaders that God has provided for his church in order for it to become mature and Christ-like, the spotless bride of, of Christ. And in this passage from chapter 4, verse 11, we read, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Such colourful language is great. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as, does each, as each part does its work. Now, Paul here lists five offices that you may have heard referred, referred to as the fivefold ministry. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, if you think about the church, we also talk about being part of the family of Christ. And within that family, it is our leader's job to care for, train and equip their people to maturity. That sounds a lot like parenting to me. Now, if you're not a parent, don't switch off, because there's still something in this for you. You may have other areas of influence, so you can also look at this through the eyes of being a mentor, a business leader, a teacher, a youth group leader, any of these things, whatever area of influence that God has placed you in. So let's have a bit of a look at what the fivefold ministry is that Paul talks about and how each of those roles relate to us as parents. So the first listed is the apostle. Their job is undergirding and releasing. They awaken people to their God-designed potential. They are instrumental in people discovering who they really are and walking alongside them to get there. Apostles are disciples and disciple-makers. Now our job as mothers is to see our kids' God-given potential and help to encourage and release them into it. Now, my kids are now 11, 14, and 17, and it's, it's easy to think, we've nearly made it. We're nearly off the hook. But the reality is that in this aspect, our job is never done. It may change in scope along the way, but we will always have a role in encouraging our children to see their God-given potential as they journey in their discovery of Him. It has been fascinating to see so far the giftings and talents that have developed in their lives, and at times even wonder, where did that come from? 
our role in encouraging and developing, uh, the encouraging the development of those gifts and talents changes over time. With Ethan, we no longer have to remind him to practice his bass. In fact, sometimes I have to ask him to stop practicing as it's after nine o'clock at night and some people are trying to sleep. Honestly, Ethan, I do love your passion for God and for music, so if that's the worst thing I have to do is tell you to stop playing, then I think we're pretty lucky. With him, at the ripe old age of 17, we've already moved into more of a role of encourager, cheerleader, and if there is a question about musical knowledge, ask Dad. I'm no help. You've well, well exceeded what I know. When I think of Lucas and Brianna, however, particularly with their musical theatre involvement, when they were just starting out with tap dancing, I would have to be actively in the room, showing them what to do, helping them know which part of the music to listen to, um, helping them practice and prepare for, for competitions and recitals and, and performances. Now I no longer have to be in the room, and that's freed up quite a bit of time, I tell you. I only have to engage when they come to me and say, oh, I can't quite remember this bit, or what am I supposed to do with this? My main role is actually just reminding them to practice, because they definitely still need that. But it's not just a, you need to go practice, it's a, hey, if you want to get better at this, you need to put time into it. You need to go and spend some time practicing and enhancing those skills that you've got. My job as a parent is to make sure they've got access to the tools and the lessons that they need to continue to develop in this area. But the responsibility to develop that is becoming more and more theirs. Now, if it was just about sustaining these gifts and abilities until they reach a point of success, then at some point you might say, job done, depending on your measure of success. But helping them to realise their full potential means supporting and encouraging them to continue when it gets more difficult, when the exams are over, or the concerts and performances are months away, when it's just practice after practice and it gets a bit tedious. That's where the undergirding kicks in. But apostleship also means releasing, about knowing when to get out of the way, when to stop hovering in the background. Control is the killer of apostleship, and if you like to be in control as a parent or a leader, then it can be hard to step out of the way and let your child work it out for themselves. But you'll never get the chance to really see what they are capable of if you don't allow them to try. So raise and release. Pour everything into them, and then take your hands off. Not to remove your presence in their lives, they're always going to need our ongoing love, support and encouragement, but to let them fly. The role of prophet is to speak to the future. Prophets are effective in revealing God's heart for his people wherever they go. They can accurately discern God's heart for a situation. They help people experience God's voice and help them develop hearing the voice of God in their own lives. Sometimes, and I know that I am guilty of this, it can be really easy to slip into negative thinking or speaking, such as, I am so tired, or this is too hard. When a better way would be to declare, I will have life, but maybe I'll have coffee first. <laughs> My family will all tell you I'm not really fully awake, coherent, or present until I've had a chance to have that first coffee for the day and wake up properly. Sometimes we just need to prophesy life over ourselves. And sometimes we need to think and pray with the future in mind, as it can be easy to just get stuck in the day by day by day. Now, if I look at the world today, man, do we need to employ this gift in raising our kids more than ever before. We need to prophesy to the future, to a positive way forward. 
We need to speak hope. We need to be in the quiet place with the Holy Spirit, hearing what it is he is saying, so that we can discern God's leading and direction and point our kids in the right way. If we don't look at the map, then we can't really help our kids when they're lost. We need to hear God's voice for ourselves, and we need to help our kids hear God's voice for themselves, particularly in the days we are living in. Now, if you think about it, those of you that have got really young children, often praying with them, it's about praying for them, or you might get them to repeat a few little phrases. But as they grow, we need to encourage them and teach them how to pray for themselves. As they grow in their understanding of God, we can help them to pray with authenticity. Grab my water, please. Our children can prophesy too if they're filled with the Holy Spirit and hear the Lord's voice for themselves. Excuse me. (coughs) Things about COVID is I've managed to develop a wee tickle in my throat over the past few days. Excellent timing. We need to prophesy life over our children. We need to prophesy courage over our children. We need to prophesy over them that they will be ministers of the gospel wherever they are. We need to prophesy hope over their hearts. We need to prophesy peace over their minds. Prophetic declarations wage war with the enemy on his plans to steal, kill, and destroy from our kids and their futures, and from us. I heard this story recently. Years ago, a hydroelectric dam was to be built across a valley in Maine, in the US. The people in the town were to be relocated, and the town itself submerged. During the time between the initial decision and the completion of the dam, the town, which had once been well-kept, fell into disrepair. Why keep it up now? Explained one resident. Where there is no faith in the future, there is no work in the present. If we were to only watch the news and listen to the reports of doom and gloom about the environment, the economy, wars, natural disasters, crime, poverty, injustice, then I would say people would have no faith in the future. Our job is to bring faith and declare a future that is worth working in the present for. Prophetic words are an invitation to intercession. We must declare, and then we must intercede for the next generation. Then there's the role of the evangelist. We are to bring them to Jesus. It's probably one of our biggest roles as parents. We're to make the stories of Jesus' remarkable goodness and love famous. We're to be the carriers of good news and partner with Jesus in celebrating transformation. We're to stir curiosity and a desire to know Jesus in our kids' lives, and then teach them that their life is a living invitation to all to join the family of God. How do we do that? We share our testimonies of God speaking to us, answering our prayers, healing us or people we know, giving us peace in anxious times. When God speaks to us out of the Bible, share it with them. Make sure that they know your faith in God is real and active. We are our kids' greatest witness of faith, or worst. If they grow up thinking that your Christian faith is just about going to church on Sunday, then we've missed an incredible opportunity. (coughs) Sorry. We are living at a time when we aren't always able to gather, so what other opportunities do we have to share our faith with our kids? Now, we all have stories of God's faithfulness. Some of us have stories of miraculous healing, of financial provision, of God's comfort during times of grief. 
it's really easy once you've actually lived through a situation and seen God move in it to forget that it can be an encouragement to others, to just kind of keep, keep on keeping on. We can forget the power of what God has done in our lives and how that might be an encouragement to the next generation. Sometimes that actually might mean humbling ourselves so that our kids hear about our mistakes in life, our weaknesses in order that God's strength and power would be displayed. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 and 10, it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships and persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I think most parents here would agree that there's a lot of weakness in our day-to-day, and there's a lot of God having to turn up and step in where we don't have the strength, and we don't have the courage, and we don't have the wisdom. It's okay for our kids and the next generation to see our weaknesses in order to see God's strength. Parents, I'd like to ask you a question, especially those of you that perhaps your kids are a bit younger. Have you been asked yet, why do you believe in God? Have you been asked how you know God is real? Have you been asked why bad things happen in the world if God is so loving? If you haven't, it's coming. And here's what one of Jesus' disciples tells us in 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. We don't have to have all the answers. But we do have to be prepared to answer what we can and rely on God's wisdom. Sometimes telling a story has as much effect on the teller as it does the listeners. Martin Buber, the Jewish philosopher, recalls, My grandfather was lame. Once they asked him to tell a story about his teacher, and he related how his master used to hop and dance while he prayed. My grandfather rose as he spoke and was so swept away by his story that he himself, who was lame, began to hop and dance to show how the master had done. From that hour, he was cured of his lameness. When we tell the story of our master, we too experience his power. Let's be the ones who share the good news of the gospel to those in our care. The role of pastor, to bring care, compassion, wisdom, correction. Pastors are instrumental in guiding people through brokenness back back to wholeness, and healing them from wounds that keep them where they are. They create a safe atmosphere of family and belonging. Now I can quite confidently say that this is not everyone's experience of a family. If every family was a safe atmosphere of love and belonging, then the world we live in would look quite different. That's why it is so important that we become pastors to our children and to everyone in the next generation. It is so desperately needed. You can give kids all the best things in life, Access to the best education, exposure to sports and music and the arts, expensive family holidays, and all the best in clothing and devices, funds set aside for their future. But if you have not love, then that is all a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Now it goes without saying we need to love our kids, but do they feel loved? The large majority of children will feel loved if they are told that they are loved and what it is that you love about them. They are shown that they are loved through time and attention spent on them. This means being prioritised over work, 
Not only the business, but the housework kind. They feel listened to and understood. These things create a sense of safety and belonging that they won't have to look elsewhere for. When we wound our children, and the reality is that at some point we all will, we must lead the way in humility, apologising, speaking life and truth over them, praying for them, and mending those wounds. Be quick to forgive and slow to anger. One of the hardest things for a pastor to do is to bring correction, but it's part of the job description. Pastors are also given the title of shepherds, and this metaphor is often used in the Bible. Now, sheep. Sheep are dependent on their shepherd for direction and protection. They're not independent creatures. They're not strong, nor are they survivors. They quickly wander away and can easily be led astray. Without their shepherd's care, sheep are in great peril because they're not hunters that can find food. They are small and defenseless, making them easy prey for predators. The shepherd must keep close watch over his flock to protect and preserve them. When sheep stray, the shepherd will prod them back into the sheepfold and put wandering sheep back on the right path. The same is true for God's sheep. Jesus is referred to in the word as the good shepherd, and I certainly need him to be the one doing the guiding, directing, and correcting of me. Jesus, as the good shepherd, will prod his wandering sheep back into the fold to keep them in his protective care. And the metaphor used is of a rod and a staff as used by the shepherds in biblical times. Now, to be clear, I'm not talking about or advocating for corporal or physical punishment, but the imagery helps us understand the role of a shepherd. In biblical times, a shepherd consistently used both a rod and a staff to tend the flock. Both were used to protect or correct the sheep, each in a very specific way. The rod was used to fight off wild animals and to count the sheep and direct them. Does anyone here count their sheep when they put them in the car? Their children? Yep, good on you, Mel. (laughs) The rod prodded them during the day in the fields and at night into the sheepfold. A willing sheep would respond to the prodding, but a stubborn, strong-willed sheep would not. While sheep might not be as dumb as often suggested, they do have characteristics that give some merit to the claim. They'll indiscriminately eat just about anything, regardless whether it is something that could harm or kill them. They endlessly wander, seemingly without direction. And many sheep stubbornly resist the shepherd's prodding. Sounds familiar. That's why the staff with the crook at the end is needed. The shepherd uses the staff to exert his authority more strongly and more gently, but firmly, pull the sheep back into the fold and keep the sheep moving in the right direction. He can also use the crook of the sheep, that's the wee round bit, to pull the sheep from harm. I don't recommend you quite do that literally. Sometimes as parents, we only need to prod our kids in the right direction to help them correct their course. Other times, we need to step in with more authority and gently bring that stronger correction. One of the hardest jobs as a parent. The role of teacher, to train and equip to make the truth and knowledge about God accessible to all. Teachers have an ability for breaking confusion and misinformation, thus strategic in helping people know the truth of God and how it applies in their life. Now, this is an interesting one, because while we have schools and teachers that do the job of teaching, in the last couple of years, parents have had to have a much more active role in our kids' school learning, as we've navigated lockdowns and online learning and rostered learning at home, It's easy to hear teacher, therefore, and think schoolwork. But being a teacher in your child's life is more than just scholastic education. 
It's about teaching them the realities of life, the truth of the word of God, the effects of wrong choices, training and equipping them for a world where you are not in charge of them, teaching them to be without you. This is tough. It's a lot easier to keep our kids in little bubbles, fix their mistakes for them, do their work for them, cook for them, hide them from the evil in the world. Much easier to do that than to prepare them to be independent and mature. We have to teach them to recognize false teaching, get them ready to fail, to be heartbroken, to face rejection. Teaching math and science suddenly seems a whole lot easier. The world we live in is not fear. But when travelled through with the presence of the Holy Spirit and the knowledge of a Saviour, the love of the Father and the promise of eternity, it may not be easier, but it will be okay. Now the thing I love about schools is that they have teachers, teacher aides, and substitute teachers, right? Now I want to remind you, as Maria has already alluded to, we live in a community. And in families, and friends, our church family, we can also have that. We don't always have the answers. So bring in others that you know will teach the right things. Maybe in an area where you're struggling still, or you haven't actually yet, like you're still working on it, that's a good time to bring in somebody else. It's good for our kids to see that we're a work in progress. But the role of mentors is an important one and often overlooked. Sometimes they'll actually even learn and receive more if it's someone else giving the lesson. Pretty sure every parent in the room has had times when they've given advice to their kids or told them how to do something and why to have the kid reject it and be like, no, that's not true. And then the next thing, somebody else has told them the same thing and they've had this major revelation. It's like, Mom, did you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I did. But take the ones where you get them. If your kids reject your advice and take it from someone else, They've still taken the advice. So there we have it. The fivefold ministry. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. It's the biblical blueprint. Oh my goodness, my words today. It's the biblical blueprint we are given to equip people and grow the kingdom. If it's good for the kingdom, it's good for my family. Our job as parents is to bring our kids up to maturity and independence to know God, and to know how to live in this world. The reality is that within these five different ministry areas, there'll be one or two that we are more naturally inclined towards, part of who we are, but we can all grow and develop in the others, if not out of gifting, then out of a desire to impact and influence the world and people around us, starting in our homes. Let's pray. Lord, thank you first and foremost that you love us wholeheartedly and unconditionally. I pray for everyone today hearing this message that has some form of leadership, guidance, parenting or mentoring over others. And I pray particularly for mums today that they would feel your refreshing. But not only that, that they would have a, a refreshed perspective on our role, not just as a job but as a ministry, an opportunity to pour your heart into our kids. And that that ministry would not be something that they would do out of head knowledge, but out of an overflow of love from a deep well that comes from being continually refilled in your presence. Help us to be apostles in the way that we raise our kids and those under our care. Help us to get the right balance of being involved and then letting them go, letting them fly. Help us with the gift of prophecy, to speak prophetic words, positive things, 
that will help them to face a future that is uncertain. Help us to be evangelists, to share the testimonies of what you have done in our lives and what you are doing. Help us to be pastors, to be compassionate, to be humble, and to help gently guide them and prod them in the way that they should go. Help us to bring correction and love and for them to even see our weaknesses, Lord God. Help us also to be teachable, to hear your voice when we know we perhaps haven't quite got it right. And Lord, help us to know when to bring in others and our role as teachers when we might need to draw on the strength of others or the knowledge of others. Help us to teach what you would have us teach our kids, not just one plus one, but matters of the heart. Help us to know godly wisdom and to impart that to our kids. And Father, we just thank you that you have an invested interest in us as parents. And even in this moment, Lord God, I know that there are people in the room for whom this day is a difficult one. God, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would bring them comfort. That there would be an outpouring of your love right now that you would be like a salve to wounds. And God, I pray for those mums in the room who right now just feel like it's all a bit much, who are feeling discouraged, who are feeling like they don't have what is needed to parent their kids. God, we, we prophesy life over those mums right now, Lord God. We declare that everything is possible with you, God. You make the impossible possible. And we speak that into the lives of the mums who right now feel like they just can't do it. Help them to know that they don't have to do it alone, but that your Holy Spirit desires to, to draw them into your presence, to speak words of encouragement and of love and of wisdom. God, I pray for those who desperately want to be mums. God, right now, as we've heard from Brittany, speak to them about your love, about who you are, about who they can be in the waiting. Give them hope. Give them encouragement. And God, we just stand here and we believe with them for the miracle. We know that you are a God who does abundantly more than we can ask, think, or imagine. Thank you, Lord God. Father, I thank you that you are here in our midst this morning. Be with each one. We love you, Lord God, and we're so thankful for you.